May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. When are you silent? When you're tired? When you're alone? When you're worried? When you're confused? When everyone around you is talking or shouting or demanding? When should you be silent? When someone is telling you something true? When someone is hurting and asks you to listen? When a brother or a sister in Christ is confessing his or her sins to you? So when do you shout? When something good happens, right? When your team scores five goals against Aston Villa in the first game of the premiership yesterday. When you see someone you haven't seen for a while. I shouted for happiness. It wasn't that loud. When I saw my brother Tim up in Bellingham, Washington on Wednesday afternoon. And when should you shout? When you have to give a warning about something bad happening. When you have to stop someone from hurting another. And when you are hurting and you shout your prayer to God. May the Holy Spirit give us expectant hearts along with attentive ears and minds to listen and learn from God's word today so that we will hear the good news about silence and shouts and proclamation. People God dearly loves. God is mostly but not completely silent in the first 37 chapters of Job. Ah, but Job's friends were not. Neither was Job's wife. And Job himself did a bit of talking. But now Job must be silent because God needs to speak. The Lord cannot be silent. Where were you, God roars, as our Old Testament reading begins. Where were you, when I laid the foundation of the earth, when I determined its measurements, when I sunk its bases and laid its cornerstone, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, the newly created angels, shout and sang for joy. Tell me, God shouts, tell me if you have understanding. Yahweh doesn't stop. He speaks. He must speak to Job who can tell of his design and order and wonder of his creative work. Who called light into existence and caused the dawn of each new day? Who shut up the sea, setting its boundaries, telling the waves this far and no farther? Speak up, Job, as the final phrase of Job 38 states. God says, Declare, Job, if you know all this. But God isn't even done at the end of chapter 38. He doesn't revert to silence. The Lord keeps on speaking in chapter 39, in most of chapter 40, and to the end of chapter 41. Job manages only a couple of meager sentences as chapter 40 begins. What shall I answer, he says, I lay my hand on or over my mouth. There's a difference 
and Matthew 14 in today's rather short gospel reading. I need to remind you that what happens here isn't the same as what Matthew records in chapter 8, the storm at sea where Jesus sleeps in the back of the boat and the water splashes in. This is different. After caring for the crowds, after healing them and feeding them and teaching them, Jesus retreats up a mountain to be alone and to pray. He commands the disciples to sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now I'm guessing that there might have been plenty of loud talking and that boat filled with 12 men. Jesus told us to shut up, didn't he? We told him to send the crowds away. Jesus told us to feed them with what? We didn't have enough money. Way to go, Andrew, bringing that boy forward with his five barley loaves and two dried and salted fish. And just like that, just like plain water, became tasty wine over in Cana. We were handing out lunch and it never ran out. They had food that was better than the manna our ancestors ate as they crossed through the wilderness. Maybe that boisterous talk covered up the sound of the rising wind. Maybe they didn't realize at first that they were making no headway toward the opposite shore. But it happened. The wind rose and their sail couldn't hold it. The waves pushed against them. The disciples were going nowhere. But something, no, someone was going somewhere. Around the fourth watch, near morning time, Jesus saw their predicament and came toward the boat, walking on the water, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. They were terrified in their panic and their fear. They shouted, it's a ghost. Then Jesus spoke. Perhaps he shouted to be overheard over the roar of the wind and the crash of the waves. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. So Peter, who often could not stay silent, Peter blurted out, If it's you, if it's really you, Jesus, then command me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said, and Peter did. He eagerly climbed over the side of the boat and was allowed to do what Jesus was doing. The water had become solid. They both walked on top of it until, until Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and saw the wind causing white caps and he began to sink and then shouted, Lord, save me. And it happened immediately. No tisk tisk Peter, no lecture, no letting Peter go down to his chin, but immediately Jesus reached out his hand, took hold of Peter and pulled him to his feet, standing on the water once more. But Jesus did say, you of little faith, you of big mouth, but of little faith, why did you doubt that my power 
is stronger than the wind and the waves. Then, as soon as Jesus and Peter climb over the wooden gunnel into the fishing boat, the wind ceases, and the disciples in the boat cannot be silent. They worship Jesus by saying, Amen, truly, you are the Son of God. With these simple but strong words, silence and shouts become proclamation. And this is the first and the only time the 12 disciples will make this confession in the Gospel of Matthew. Do you know? Do you remember who else does? Who else says this? Satan does in Matthew chapter 4 when he tempts Jesus. If you are the Son of God, the tempter says, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, then jump down from the pinnacle of the temple. Who else in Matthew 8, when Jesus is confronted by two demon-possessed men, these unclean spirits cry out, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Who else, when the chief priests put Jesus on trial before the Sanhedrin, they demand, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And when our Lord is crucified, those same Jewish relig religious leaders taunt him at Golgotha by saying, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Finally, when Jesus dies, a Roman, a Roman centurion speaks truth without tempting or taunting. Truly, this was the Son of God. Today's accounts from Job 38 and Matthew 14 are not just Bible stories to be listened to or read or studied or pondered. Through them, you need and I need and we need to hear the gospel of our salvation. We should be terrified. We should be terrified not by wind and waves, not by an imagined ghost, but by the real and condemning truth of our sins. The storm of the law blows against us. We can make no headway. Our guilt is too strong. We are drowning, overwhelmed by the waves of damnation. And when we cry out, Lord, save me. Well, Jesus is already coming toward us. He doesn't walk on water. He walks to the cross, not only staggering under the weight of that rough wood, but even more under the weight of the punishment that he willingly accepts. And the storm of justice blew with fury until the price is paid, for only the holy and innocent blood of the Lamb is sufficient. Jesus goes in silence toward his suffering, but he will and must shout, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Father, forgive them. And today you will be with me in paradise. And finally, it is finished. 
Then comes the silence of the tomb, but this too is broken by the shouts of triumph. He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Our cry, Lord, save me, is met by Jesus' certain promise. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And his arms are stretched out, stretched out on the cross, stretched out at the font to wash us with his righteousness, stretched out at this altar to feed and forgive, to nourish and strengthen for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.